In Zimbabwe, for instance, with that high inflation, if you tell them you can't inflate that money, you can't make more out of this Bitcoin, uh, you can't censor it, your government can't take it away from you, everybody understands immediately. Hello there, how are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got my good friend, Anita Posh, back on the show. Now, I've known Anita for quite some time now, and the work she's been doing for Bitcoin is incredible. She's been traveling over to Africa and helping spread Bitcoin education and awareness. And do you know what? She deserves a lot of recognition for this work. So while we were in Bedford, I asked Anita to come on over and come on the show and run through everything she's been doing for the last few months and give us some insight into how Bitcoin is being used in Africa. Now, most of her work, it requires a cost. It's quite expensive to get out to Africa and do this. So I've made a donation towards it. We're going to include the links of that in the show notes. Hopefully some of you out there will be able to send her some sats as well. If you've got any questions about this show or anything else, then feel free to reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Hello. Hello. So we've got a great addition since uh, we last spoke. Well, we've never got to do this in person. No, never. Which um, is a point of sadness for me, but a point of happiness today because <laughs> you know how much I love you. You're one of my favorite people in the whole world. And uh, since uh, we've gone on the road, we've given young Danny over there a microphone. He's now got a camera. Yep. He's also got his own fans. Oh, really? Um, well, you got that one, one guy. Fan. <laughs> yeah. The uh, what was what, what he say? Uh, I, I'll find his name. I can't remember. Yeah, he's uh, talks about Danny coming from. But uh, shout out that one fan. Yeah, <laughs> shout out that one fan. He comes from like a magical universe or <laughs> time traveler. So yeah, we have a screen if you want to use it. Peter Schiff's with us. Yeah, he sits close to me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, who's that? That's a. You don't know who that is? No. That's Chucky. Oh, from a film movie or something. Yeah, right? Charles, Charles play. Do you want to know the weirdest thing about this? Let me tell you about this. This is so <laughs> fucking weird. Do you not know the film? No. Okay, I swear to God, I've not got no idea who the manufacturer of this is, and I don't know if they're trolling me. <laughs> but <clears throat> my daughter loves horror films. Mm -hmm. And so we've been, uh, there's one she wants to watch, but I've been taking her through some of the classics, and we watched Child's Play. And uh, she kind of liked it, but she thought he was freaky. Uh, so when we, me and Danny were in Austin, uh, we were in like one of those kind of uh, movie memorabilia stores, and they had a Chucky. I said, I've got to get that for my daughter. So I got it and she was like, no, dad, that's freaky. I don't like it. So we've been doing this thing where we just like hide it in each other's stuff. Like, oh, yeah, yeah I hid it in her school bag. So when she was in class, she opened it, he was there and she hides <laughs> it in my bed. But anyway, he talks. Oh. But up until about a week ago, he only said two things. Now he, like in the last week, he's learned about eight new things. And we're like, do you know what the film's about? No. All right. So there's this criminal, I can't remember his name. And he's being chased by the police and he hides out in this toy store. And, um, and then there's like, he says some kind of like demonic prayer and ends up possessing the, the doll. And then the mom uh, of, the, of this child wants to get her the Chucky doll because the, the kid wants Chucky. She can't afford it. And then there was like a back alley one for sale and she gets it and it's this one. So this kid ends up having this toy. And then over time, the toy starts like running around and then killing people because he's possessed. But, but he talks, right? So, but like I said, up until a week ago, he said two things. I don't, know. I don't have a problem with killing. That's I new. I like a little killing now and then. What's wrong with that? That's brand new. 
That's new. That's old. Right. Can you see he's saying a lot of different things, right? <laughs> yeah. He said two things for the first three months we owned him. And I've looked in the back and there's no settings where you like. No, there's no settings. There's press the button for him to make a noise or on and off. So I think either this is actually possessed <laughs> and he might murder us over the next couple of days or they're trolling us and they've done a thing whereby they switch off things he says for a certain time, but it's weird. Anyway, that's Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> Got nothing to do. Are you a Bitcoiner? Anyway, we'll leave him there. He can go next to the Bitcoin racing car. Anyway, that's a diversion. Anita, how are yeah. you? Thanks, I'm fine. Hi. Hi, Pedro. 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 Loreo Pedro. Um, every time I see you, it's nice to see you in the country. It's nice to see you in Bedford. But you've uh, you've been traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about that because you um, you told me you've gone nomadic. Yes. So what happened? How did, how come you went nomadic? And I'm so jealous, by the way. Yeah, I don't. Um, nothing happened in a way. I mean, I think it's a, a development, a personal development in a way. Um, I for at least ten years I was thinking about. Or I have been thinking about um, staying in Bali over winter. Um, 20 years ago, when I decided to become self-employed, it was always the goal to to live and work, and it's basically the same. So you never need a holiday in the classical sense because your work, your work and your life is once one. And um, I mean, people call it maybe work-life balance now. I don't know. And um, but Bitcoin finally gave me the possibility to do it because with Bitcoin, I now have contacts all over the world. And I can just like write to them and say, hey, I'm coming to the UK. Um, can we do something together? Some people then even invite you to, to their house, you know? Some people invite you and then they say, actually, I can't fit you in because the house is full. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that, but you are no welcome problem. back any other time. <laughs> Thank you very much. Not a problem at all. I mean, and um, because you, you also have to be very flexible uh, living that life. And I think um, now I, I came to that point um, at the beginning of the year after COVID also, I thought now I have to do it now. I mean, I'm also, I'm 52, you know. Shut up. No, you're not. Come on. I am. Come on. Yes, I am. I can't do that in 10 years. Well, I think I won't do it in that, with that energy I still have, you know. Yeah, I get it. And it's also, I think it's important to do it now because we are in a way in a race for privacy and for Bitcoin to spread the word. Yes. And uh, that's also the reason why I thought I should be going there where Bitcoin is needed the most. And that's what I'm doing now. And how much of your traveling journey, nomadic journey, is about Bitcoin for you? Not the education, teaching people in terms of, like, are you living on Bitcoin? Are you living part on Bitcoin? At the moment, I'm living fully on Bitcoin. I mean, I still got my my classical bank account in Austria. I need that uh, to pay things. And um, But I made the experience that uh, you need to be very, very clever. And it's a lot of work to do that in the given environment. Now that you also have capital gains tax on Bitcoin in Austria since a year, um, it's much more difficult now because at the beginning I just held my Bitcoin for a year and then I was free. I didn't have to pay tax for it. 
But now with all these combination of um, earning, sponsoring money and um, in Bitcoin, and then I was like, you know, um, doing, yeah, classical mistakes, like thinking um, it won't go down again, or even <laughs> if uh, I that. will manage, you know. So now I, of course, my tax advisor says um, you could pay more income tax now in advance because with that, what you've already earned this year, you will be in a higher uh, level uh, and you will need to pay more tax in the next years and also so social insurance. And I said to him, yeah, but um, the money is only on the paper because the price of Bitcoin has gone down. It's it's over. I don't have the money anymore. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but hold on. Don't they, uh, don't they only tax at the point you sell? Yeah, but I use it, I use Bitcoin, and oh. every time I use it to buy stuff, to buy a plane ticket, to pay uh, the people in Zambia, I pay them in Bitcoin. Of course, yeah, it's a taxable event. So each of these events, like even if I spent just uh, five US dollars or sent some lightning sats, I would need to write that down with the price of Bitcoin when I got it and with the price when I sold it or used it and have to pay the income tax and all of those things. And I mean, for a one-person business, this is really cruel. Um, so what about with um, the rest of the traveling? Have you, yes, you're trying to live on Bitcoin, but you're trying to do it to the max whereby you don't have any kind of like other, like you don't have a credit card or the digital, like you're trying to... No, I'm, I'm not that um, serious in okay. that way. I'm serious, <laughs> but I still have a credit card. I, uh, As I said, I have a bank account because I don't want to overcomplicate things. And I'm not the person who is going somewhere and trying to convince people to use Bitcoin. So if people are not open to the idea, I, I, I don't say anything. I mean, just when I came here, I mean, I, I started to ask uh, cab drivers, taxi drivers, um, if they use Bitcoin or I could pay them in Bitcoin. Because the one today <laughs> said Bedford. Uh, he only can take cash. And I said, I don't have cash. Um, my credit card. Yeah, maybe it works. It worked. And then I said, but I could have paid you in Bitcoin. And he actually said, yeah, I'm actually interested. Two years ago, I downloaded a wallet. I want to invest in Bitcoin, but I didn't do it then. I don't <sighs> know why. Um, and, and I said, yeah, now is a good chance, but he didn't know you. And the second taxi driver also didn't know you. So you really need to do more here. I mean, I'm trying my best. <laughs> I bought a football team. Yeah, I know. I am the, <laughs> but that's the thing they know when I say he's the chairman of real, real Bedford, then, aha, uh -huh, yeah, I think I heard. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make, uh, this Bedford, this little kind of, uh, our version of El Zonte in, uh, in the UK and. And uh, I'm not going to say who's here, just in case I don't want to dox anyone, but we've got a little bit of Bitcoin meetup tonight. I mean, for me, I'm just super proud. Tonight, I'm going out to dinner with a bunch of Bitcoiners in Bedford. Cool. How cool is, is that? so amazing for me. But you've been traveling all over the place. I'm, look, I'm, I've got to say, I'm most interested in what's been going on in Africa, because I think your work there is super important. I've been following it. I do get your emails. I've seen what's been happening. Um, I, I think that's a bit me and Danny were both like super interested. It feels like Africa's become like a real passion point for you in terms of this. Uh, I think I know why, but I'm going to let you answer first. <laughs> Interesting. What do you think you know? Um, <laughs> well, well, actually, no, let me go first because yes. then I could just say this. I think um, you've done a lot of work out there trying to help women and empowering women out there. That's what that's what stands out to me from your updates. And I think that's why it's been a passion point for you. But correct me if I'm wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is a passion project in general for me, mm. not only because of the, the women's rights, but also queer rights, you know. Just today, um, I posted something about um, how Bitcoiners should actually stand with queer people because we have been oppressed by governmental um, re re repercussions and regulation all of our lives. Uh -huh. So, and that's what we jointly fight against, actually. And so I don't understand why some Bitcoiners, some, um, always make jokes with the rainbow flag or things like that. So um, I think my resistance to some sort of government restrictions, regulations and pressure comes from there. And from the fact that I think that sadly our world is very unfair. I know this will stay that way, but I think we can change that a little bit um, by our actions or how we go along with other people, how we do our, our relations, how we, we, we be up with one another. Yeah. And so the passion for Africa comes in a way through that because European countries and people from Europe for centuries, for centuries, we went there and stole everything from them. Yep. And now they, they are basically deprived of everything and are in this bad situation. And we are in the like, we are the developed world, the first world. They are the third world. Hey, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this has reasons. They are manifold, of course, but that's one of the reasons. And I want them to, to have the chance to use an open monetary system where they don't need an ID, they don't need a sort of fixed income or wealth or status already to be able to have some sort of economic means to, to be able to save, to be able to get a credit maybe once. Um, um, and, and that's the reason why I'm going there because the need is there much higher than in, in Europe or in the US. Of course, we everywhere in the world, we have disadvantaged people. That's mm -hmm. not the point. I'm also there for them or try with my educational work. Um, but I'm focusing on, on African countries or let's say the global south because they are suffering the most. We have a number of people, the number of people who are living in dictatorships or authoritarian countries let's say basically the, the number of people living in full democracies is going down. So from 2020 to 21, exactly. So more and more people, actually 4 billion of people are not living in a full democracy. I know. And some people want to burn those democracies down. Exactly. So uh, Bitcoin is a lifeboat for all of these people. And um, I also see the crackdown on privacy rights in the digital space. Digital space. Um, it's becoming tighter and tighter everywhere. And um, so I think that basically the people in the global south, if they were to adopt Bitcoin in a self-custodial manner, non-KYC Bitcoin, because they can't be banked, um, they shall stay unbanked. That's my idea. Um, they just should use Bitcoin. And if they more and more use Bitcoin in that manner, then uh, they will save us also from these uh, privacy restrictions because then you have a mixed use of Bitcoin. You can't then say uh, non-KYC Bitcoin, go back into your uh, hole. <laughs> you know, mm. It's not there. Nobody uses it. So we can uh, ban it. They can't ban it then if half of the world is using it. So you want to keep unbanked to the unbanked? Yes. <laughs> that, um, that point on queer rights is actually super interesting because I never really thought about it in that way. That, because, I mean, like, like I've noticed that uh, that undertone of 
uh, both misogyny and uh, homophobia that exists. I mean, you you could just say like certain people in Bitcoin, but it's almost unfair. It's just in society it exists, so it naturally will be in both. But I have seen it. But actually, that affinity that people who are anti-state should have with uh, yeah queer communities, it, it does exist because I mean, yeah, queer people have had to fight for years for just some semblance of equality. And and even in some places still don't have it. I mean, you've just been to Africa. I think, is it Uganda? It's still illegal? No, it's, be... uh, it's not only illegal. I think in Tanzania, you can ha- get a life sentence. Yeah. Uh, in Iran, just recently, they hanged gay men. Yeah. So, you know, but so it, the people who are uh, vocal proponents of liberty and freedom should be directly aligned with the cause of queer people. So I just, but I'd never had it put to me like that as a, something you should have an, an affinity over as people who are kind of like fighting the state. So yeah, good point. So in this, um, can you actually just tell me some of the stories? Talk me through the countries you've been, I just want to know it all. Honestly, it looks fascinating. Well, like where's your favorite place you've been going to? All our all favorite it. places in a way, they are all different. Okay. And there are different people doing different projects and they all have, I learned a lot from all of them. So in, in March, I was in Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. the second time now. And um, is, is Zimbabwe still have massive inflation? Yes. I mean, it's even worse now. Like okay. in, uh, in March, I think the, the exchange rate from uh, US dollars to Zimbabwean dollar was 1 to 600. Okay. Like in 2020, when I was there, it was 1 to 60. Okay. And now it's one to nine hundred, or one to a thousand in just uh, the the three, four, or five months now. I'm pleased to welcome new sponsor Leden to the podcast. From savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Leden's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of their holdings today without ever selling their Bitcoin. And with recent events in the lending market, Leden demonstrated that their robust risk management strategy was the right approach. They don't actively trade or invest in DeFi yield generation and have experienced zero losses as a result of their strategy. Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and they are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserve attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. But not only are Ledin sponsor, I am also a customer of theirs now. So if you want to find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N dot I-O. Next up, it is the Pacific Bitcoin Conference hosted by Swan Bitcoin on November the 10th and 11th this year in sunny Los Angeles. Now, I've known Corey, Yan, and Brady for years, and they are pulling out all the stops to make the Pacific Bitcoin a celebration of the Bitcoin community. I'm going to be emceeing the conference along with Natalie Brunel and Stefan Levera, and there's going to be an incredible lineup of speakers, including Lynn Alden, Alex Gladstein, and Preston Pish. Now, Pacific Bitcoin is going to have the right mix of education and good fun with unique experiences. There's going to be a surfing simulator, and it's going to be loaded with other events and parties before and after the event. They are bringing the brightest minds in Bitcoin in to discuss a range of topics from macro to nation-state adoption and mining to lightning. You do not want to miss out on the inaugural Pacific Bitcoin Conference. It's going to be a badass event. I'm going to be there. I cannot wait to go. I cannot wait to see you all there. Now, Swan is offering a massive 20% discount to listeners of the show. Just go to pacificbitcoin.com and use the code PETA. 
That's P-A-C-I-F-I-C-B-I-T-C-O-I-N.com and use the code PETER. Next up today, it is Ledger. Now, recent events have highlighted just how important self-custody is. And Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you to take control of your Bitcoin. And the world's most popular hardware wallet just got better. Ledger has recently announced the launch of their new Nano S Plus, and the larger screen makes it easier to manage and verify your Bitcoin transactions. The Nano S Plus maintains the same high level of security as all other Ledger products. And listen, I have been a customer of Ledger since early 2017, and I absolutely love the S Plus. Now, if you want to find out more and purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot dot com. Also, today we have BitCasino. Established in 2013, BitCasino was the first licensed Bitcoin casino. Trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide, not only do they have cutting-edge security, but fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money cannot buy. With over 2,800 games and tournaments to compete against others and 24-7 live chat support, BitCasino is definitely the best Bitcoin casino out there. And if you want to find out more, please head over to BitCasino.io, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award. That is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O dot I-O. And remember, please gamble responsibly. So would people there holding Bitcoin have a very similar scenario to people that I met when I was in Venezuela where they said, it doesn't matter if the price of Bitcoin goes down, it's still going up for me. Yeah, that's one thing, yeah, to see it, exactly. But of course, we have to be honest and say, if one of the Zimbabweans started uh, at the end of last year to save a little bit in Bitcoin, now he or she also has just half of it. So that's hard. Um, But... For me, the bigger use case there is basically sending money in and out of Zimbabwe. Because in Zimbabwe, we have uh, currency controls. Um, In Zimbabwe, the central bank is really determining the exchange rate. So it's really a controlled market. That's not a free market. Right. And the government and and the, the financial elites of the central bank, they they basically extract all the value from the people by their money policies or their bad money policy, you know. And, and is it stupidity or is there corruption there? Are I they stealing the money? It, most part is corruption. Right. Um, sometimes I think they also say really stupid things, but they are all educated in the West and things like that. They are very clever people, so it must be malice. And um, they recently said, or they started to issue gold coins, I saw this. Zimbabwe is a very rich country. They have a lot of gold. They started issuing gold coins and said ah, to fight inflation and, and all the money. And they always say it's international sanctions and the others. It's always the others. And it's not they are buying the newest SUVs and mm. things like that. So they are issuing gold coins now. And they said, really, um, as a store of value, we are now issuing gold coins and Zimbabweans can buy gold coins. So the the joke is nobody knows who is the owner of the gold mines. I mean, hmm? and then the other thing is you get it cheaper if you have U.S. dollars. If you are able to pay in U.S. dollars, you get it cheaper. And um, there's an article, um, I can tell you afterwards the link, and uh, somebody really said that's the worst scam he has ever seen, and it's out in the open. So rich people bought all the gold gold coins and can sell them 
with an arbitrage of, I don't know, 300 US dollars per one coin or something. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, every tool is manipulated. Um, now there, there's a new movie that was released these days about the last election. And, of course, the, the governing ruling party said now the movie is banned. Uh, people have been gone missing, political opponents of the regime. And, um, yeah, they are, they are next, next year is a new election. And um, already they are banning the color yellow because yellow is the color of the opponent party and things like that. Is it, um, is it the same uh, party as Mugabe was? Yes. Is, is ZANU-PF, is it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, okay. And when, when you go out and visit there, do, do people understand money? Like my experience in Venezuela is that actually people understood in some ways, people understood money more there than they did say in the UK. And what I mean by that is it's not about the education of money. They understood the value of money more in that here by my friends all have pounds. That's it. The odd random person might have a bit of Bitcoin. But 99% of people I know, maybe more, just have pounds. Whereas in Venezuela, people knew, right, I need to get rid of my Bolivar, I need dollars. If I can't get dollars, I want Colombian peso, and this is why I want it, and this is how I hold it. They had to learn, they had to learn what money is because of inflation. Inflation here is just like slow and insidious, so people haven't had to learn. Is that similar in Zimbabwe? It's very similar. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting that, isn't it? And people need to live a whole different life than we do. Because everything, it's always about money. Every day you ask someone else or look up in the news, what's the price of money today? So how much, uh, what, how, how high is the exchange rate? Because the higher it is, the more expensive goods get. And if you have some money, you immediately spend it. So you don't, you never learn to save money because why would you save it? It's gone in the next day. So you spend it. And um, that's definitely not the right way to, to build some sort of wealth or savings if you always have to spend it. So, yes, everybody knows that the U.S. dollar is a much better money than their own currency. And they have this history of hyperinflation in 27, 28, and now they are almost back in hyperinflation. And at the moment, it's the country with the highest inflation rate in the world. Uh, again. Uh, it's Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka... Uh, somewhere in Venezuela, yeah. Ah, okay, so when you go out there, what kind of um, what kind of areas are you going to? Are you going out to villages? Are you going to remote areas? Are you staying in the town? Um, this time I was only in town in Harare, okay. and we visited um, the Nimbe Fresh Farm in Marondera. Um, the Nimbe Fresh Farm um, is that project where you could buy so the blueberries. Pardon? So the blueberries. Yeah, that's yeah. the blueberries. That led to the blueberries. Yeah. Uh, but the first project that did they did with the Sun Exchange from South Africa. It's a company that is crowdfunding solar power plants in South Africa. Good idea, actually, yeah. because they have a lot of sun. And they also, in South Africa and in Zimbabwe, have a lot of power outages. So you have hours where you don't have any power and you need solar uh, then to heat the water and to have electricity. Do they know when the blackouts are coming? Or they just no. Happen? So the difference is in Zimbabwe, you don't know when they come. In uh, South Africa, you they are more developed. Have you been doing lessons and the lights just go out? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. Happens. 
How regular? Are we talking as a daily occurrence? Sometimes it depends wow. also uh, on the location where you're at, the quarter of the town where you are. For instance, in the center of Harare, where the hospitals and the government is sitting, you always have power. <laughs> yeah, of course. You always <laughs> but, have power, money, and food. Yeah, exactly. You fuckers. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, but in South Africa, you get a text. Uh, so there are, I think, WhatsApp groups they, where they tell you uh, today at 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. there will be no power. And so coming back to to visiting Nimbe Fresh, they built the solar power plant uh, on on the farm um, to be independent, self-sovereign, and uh, to be able to um, produce all the time. Because they, for instance, they showed out they they also um, grow tobacco. And tobacco needs to be dried. And they showed us um, with, with the, the, the petrol and the wood, we're burning um, the quality. So, no, sorry. The petrol and the wood is bad for the environment. The power from CESA with the interruptions, the quality of our tobacco is much worse than now that we have permanent electricity. So, um, and this feeds a lot of people there. Um, the farm has, I think, about 2,000 um, workers at the moment there. Wow. And I was interested in it because the solar power plants, you could buy one solar cell for a little bit of Bitcoin, in Bitcoin too. And uh, you can get some earnings in a way from that crowdfunding now. The solar cells are working and they are selling their excess energy to the grid. Wow. So, yeah. So, so when you head out, you've obviously created a community of people you know now. So you've got people, you, you, if you go to Zimbabwe, but mm -hmm. when you go out, do you, you want a set mission and you're like, I want to go and educate 20 people, 50, 100, like. What no, it, no, the goal is actually to uh, educate the educators. Yeah. Because, I knew you were going to say Because I can't, I can't do that alone and I don't want to and I'm not the right person coming there and telling them how it works. I don't right. want to be that. I want to share my knowledge with people who are interested in it and who are also who also want to share that knowledge with their peers because I think it has to come it's a grassroots development it has to come from the people on the ground. And so what I'm looking for are committed people who are all, already a little bit interested in bitcoin or at least show some interest in it and are willing to learn and to set up meetups for instance. I think Local Bitcoin meetups are the most important thing. The most important thing is trust. It's, we say Bitcoin is trustless. Um, okay, what does it mean? Yeah, you don't need trust in the, in the network hmm. itself, but you need to trust your peers still because there are so many scams and that's one of the things I've learned there too. Um, we're not doing, I don't know how we should do all of that education, you know, because so many people have been scammed. Everybody knows about Bitcoin or almost everybody has heard about it. But the yep. first question I get, but is it not a scam? They think it's one coin. Yeah. Or any other scam there. I'm going to come back to scams. Um, I just want to stick with the, the, this educating the educators. So, so do you know how many people you've now educated, like how many educators you've created, say, in Zimbabwe? Five, ten. Five or ten. Something. So, so they can go around and create the meetups, which is great. But when you first met them, it was new to them as well. Ish. Mm, yes, that was in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, when I met the first people, 
I didn't know that they are Bitcoiners. They were interested in in digital technologies yeah. and things like that. So um, my friend there scouted them, you know, from a network of I know people you know maybe interested in Bitcoin. And then now when I was there the second time, the same people came again, came back to my event. And also, for instance, Alexandria from Bulawayo came. He saw about, I tweeted it, of course, and he saw it. And he said, uh, are you coming to Bulawayo as well? It's a four-hour, six-hour bus ride from there to Harare. And I said, no, I can't. And he said, okay, I'm coming. So he drove all night long just to come to that meetup. And he just said, I'm so happy that you are doing this because I feel I'm alone, you know. People feel really isolated. They know about Bitcoin. They heard about it. They like it. They, they think this is a great chance, but they can't speak with anyone about it because they don't know anyone. So that's the reason why I think these events and, and meetups are so important. But forget the scam thing for the moment. Yeah, when yeah. you start explaining Bitcoin to people, do they, do they naturally start to understand? Do they see the value of the fixed currency, the anti-inflation side of things? Yeah, I mean... I always, my talks are always a little bit accustomed to the country where I'm at. And uh, in Zimbabwe, for instance, with that high inflation, if you tell them you can't inflate that money, you can't make more out of this Bitcoin, uh, you can't censor it, your government can't take it away from you, everybody understands yeah, immediately. Yeah, so it's much more easier actually to, to, to get people to adopt it there in a way. Um, um, but what, then what kind of local challenges are the users there facing that, say, we don't face here living, you know? Electricity cuts, you know? When right. you, yeah, uh, you can't or, spend your Bitcoin. Or you can't charge yeah, your phone. Yeah, yeah, you can't use lightning maybe at that moment. And um, people don't, not all people have smartphones. Uh, there's no internet in some regions. Can we come back to that one? So not, uh, that was what I experienced in, so when I was on the border of Venezuela and Cucuta, um, there were two issues. One is having the phone charged. Mm -hmm. Secondly, some people didn't have a phone. And there, so there were people who would share a phone. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that was a real kind of like wake up call to actually some people still need some form of physical money. Yeah, I mean, um, but a lot of people in African countries, mobile money is very common. You have right. it with EcoCash in Zimbabwe. Um, you have it with M-Pesa um, in Kenya and other countries. So they are used to use money via text message. Okay. And a lot of them also all only have those feature phones where you all, you can only send texts. They don't have a smartphone. So they are used to that. And now there is something I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to see that now. Someone uh, from a Southern African country <laughs> has started to code a tool where you can send lightning via text. Amazing. Yes, Machankura 8333 or something. Is That's a very cool concept. Yes, it's a cool concept. I mean, it's custodial, so... Well, it has to be. <laughs> it has to be, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, and I just recently, I saw one possibility, for instance, for people there, because in Zimbabwe, you don't have an official exchange. And usually, the international exchanges... Um, cut you off as soon as you enter your address because as a Zimbabwean you are, you, you are under sanctions. So now you can basically buy a Bitcoin voucher in South Africa and one to three million Zimbabweans are estimated to live in South Africa and work there and they want to send money home. So you can go and buy an Etsteco voucher 
um, well, one for me, it's called, and you buy it with South African rent. And then you can send the code to redeem the Bitcoin to your friends and family, and they can redeem it in Zimbabwe. And now this also works with this uh, text message uh, tool. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's getting Bitcoin quite difficult then in Zimbabwe. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the best way to do it is to earn it. Like if you're a digital worker, like um, you're, you're producing content or you're an internet marketer, uh, you can ask you the companies abroad to, to pay you in Bitcoin. If you have family abroad, the, the diaspora, the Zimbabwean is very big. Um, they can send you Bitcoin. So that's basically the best way to get it. Okay. Are you going to be in um, Ghana in December? Yes. For the conference? Yes. I think, I think we're going. Yeah, sure. I've well, not cool. been. I've not yeah. been to. I've not been to Africa. Yeah, ever. I know. You, you, you. Two times you said you're coming with me, but you never have time. So, um, I'm, but I'm, I'm looking forward. If you're coming, I will go to. Or it's planned that I'm going to Nigeria afterwards. Yes, I think I'm doing. Is, is there like a few people doing that? Mm, maybe. I mean, I'm. I'm. I think I'm joining Paxful. They are doing another of their campus tours through Nigeria because they are doing a lot of work there. Yes, I yes. think I might be doing that as well. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to be there. You're going to have to show me around. So I've not been, I will. I've not been to... Uh, um, what is Nigeria like as well? What are the different challenges there? Oh, I mean, I've never been to Nigeria. Oh, you haven't? we, we got to say that countries like Nigeria, Ghana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, South Africa, they are all different. And there are so many people living there, we have no imagination. I mean, Nigeria, I don't know how many million people are living in Nigeria. No idea. Yeah. Well, so which are the other countries you've been to? You've been to Zimbabwe? Zimbabwe, Zambia, South Africa, that was this year. Well, so with South Africa, do they have a more developed than Bitcoin ecosystem? A little bit, yes. Um, so they, they <laughs> already even have regulation. <laughs> So that's always the question, is this good or bad? I mean, yeah. for Zimbabweans, I think it's now a, a brilliant time. As, as long as your country doesn't have strict regulations, you should try to get as much Bitcoin as you can. Uh, so, and, and South Africa, yeah, I mean, you have Cape Town. Cape Town is a country that, uh, South Africa is a very European African country. Yes. It's the most European African country. And, but South Africa... Um, in Cape Town, the most, I would say, I have to say, most Bitcoiners I met are, are white people okay. living there, okay. white, white South Africans. But there's uh, a big um, exception for that, and that's the Bitcoin Ikasi project okay. in, in Mossel Bay. Tell it's, me about that. It's fantastic. It's, I think, one of the most important projects in the space that we have at the moment to prove the point that Bitcoin is also for poor people, and they also can use it, and it also helps them. So uh, Bitcoin Ikasi, the initiator is called Herman Vivier. And Herman is a South African living in Mossel Bay. That's uh, some hours from Cape Town on the, yeah, on the sea. And he, funnily enough, fun, uh, started a surfing company 10 years ago. And he had a tourism company showing people around. And um, in that uh, company, he thought, I want to do something for the people who live here. They have several townships um, in Mossel Bay. One of them is the township uh, where he then offered children and young children, young uh, people, to learn um, surfing for free. Nice. As a, as a basically as a as a part of they also they also have education there. So the children come after the official school. And I make this because they seem not to learn anything there in school. Uh, teachers have given up. 
And um, so they get a little bit of education. They get a meal. Um, when they go home, they're all brushing their teeth because brushing your teeth is not something you do in a township. So, and also they learn social skills and they learn to surf, which is, um, nice. yeah, something where you learn something about yourself. You learn about courage and, and uh, persistence and doing things the long term. And then Hermann, I don't know, I, I can't remember, I interviewed him. I can't remember when he started to use Bitcoin himself. Uh, but he then uh, heard of um, um, Bitcoin Beach. And he basically thought, I'm going to do the same. I'm trying to do the same here. And he started only one and a half years ago, I think. And he has surf coaches, young men. Um, some children are like three years and starting like surfing. I mean. <laughs> don't you agree with that one, don't you, Danny? For sure. <laughs> Danny's a big surfer. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, so, um, and, um, so he started to educate his coaches about Bitcoin and showed him them how it works. And uh, now there are some uh, junior coaches and a senior coach, he's called Luthando, and they are basically educating their peers in the township about Bitcoin. They are using Lightning. Mm -hmm. Why? Because Lightning, you can use also smart amounts, uh, small amounts. You couldn't do that with Bitcoin. And um, so they are not only educating them, Lufando is going around and is trying to yeah, convince a little bit um, the shop owners of these little Spasa shops, you know, these little huts <laughs> um, to uh, accept Bitcoin huh. because he's paying his um, coaches in Bitcoin. It. It's, they're trying to create that circular economy. They are economy. trying to create a circular economy, nice. exactly. And it works. I yeah, mean, it does. They, they have now 10 out of 17 shops are accepting Lightning. When I was there, I brought some Trezor hardware wallets. Nice. I did a hardware wallet workshop with Luthando and the junior coaches because uh, now the, you know, the shop owners, they don't have computers. They only have phones. Uh, yeah. phones. Yeah. And so um, they built a sort of a um, Bitcoin Ikasi center in the township and uh, people can go there to uh, use the computer of Luthando and their own hardware wallet. So it's their hardware wallet. And um, we, he basically now showed them how to use a hardware wallet because a shop owner might have more money than the usual uh, person in a township. And, um, and it, that's, that's great to see how it works. And I think it might soon even be possible to spend the Satoshis in other shops outside of the township as well. Well, that's what happened in El Salvador. So when I first went out there, it was, you know, Michael set up this project, very similar, where he was paying kids to clean up the, um, the, the, the sides of the roads where the rubbish was and teach surfing. And then he convinced, like, the little store in a papisseria to take Bitcoin. And then that expanded, and now pretty much every hotel or shop accepts it in excuse me, in El Zonte, but you can go up the road and um, I can't remember, the, uh, El Tunco, there's like uh, a cafe and two other places accept it. I mean, now the whole country does, kind of. But 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 that's what it is. It's like this yeah. seed and this seed and this seed grows and it's just fantastic to see. We're going to try and do the same here in Bedford, by the way. Yeah, cool. I'm coming again. Yes, we've got one place to accept it, which is my football club. But we will work on this. 
Great. We will plant the seed here. That's fascinating. I yeah, like I also, that. I also brought a Raspberry Blitz. So in Bitcoin Ikasi, they should also have a running lightning node now. Nice. A full node and lightning node, yeah. This show is brought to you by BCB Group. Now, BCB Group provide online banking services for companies in the Bitcoin industry. And yes, I am a customer of BCB too. They heard about my difficulty with finding a payment service provider that understands Bitcoin and reached out to me. Now, BCB clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds, and miners active in the UK and Europe, and now they are expanding globally. They also have this amazing network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients for all supported currencies. Now, listen, I know some of you have had trouble with this too. If you are looking for a banking provider that understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you want to become a BCB customer. If you want to find out more, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Next up, we have Compass Mining, and they are not just a sponsor. I'm a customer of Compass 2, and I am back mining Bitcoin, and I've been mining for nearly a year now, and I've mined over 0.75 Bitcoin, which is pretty cool. Now, anyone can start mining with Compass Mining, and to help you, Compass have launched the Compass Score, to help you make informed decisions about your next mining purchase. The score highlights how good each ASIC deal is based on a number of factors such as price, miner age, difficulty, hashing power, and the current Bitcoin price. Compass makes mining accessible to everyone, and as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. Now, if you're interested in mining or you want to find out more, please head over to compassmining.io, which is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.io. Next up, we have Gemini, who I am using for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm still only buying, right? We're hodlers. The market's looking good. We're not sellers. And I am also using the Gemini app for buying the dips, and I set up a DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. Both the app and website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy, and Gemini has invested in building industry-leading security since day one. Gemini are also running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD. That is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Also today, we have Cake Wallet. Now, Cake Wallet is a non-custodial wallet, which means it protects both my security and privacy because it doesn't share my important information with unnecessary third parties. With Cake Wallet, not only can I hodl Bitcoin, but I can easily pay privately with Monero. Cake Wallet is accelerating Bitcoin adoption, since they now support buying gift cards instantly with Bitcoin, which can be used at over 150,000 merchants in the US. You can easily purchase the exact amount you need at the register and have the gift card appear instantly within Cake Wallet without needing to wait for any confirmations. And you also get to save an average 2% on purchases. And Cake Pay only requires an email, nothing else. To check out Cake Wallet, please head over to cakewallet.com or search for Cake Wallet in the Google or Apple app stores. So tell me about this. Um, oh, by the way, have you finished your update to your book yet? And uh, not yet. I'm just in the middle of it. Um, I, but I will release an audiobook soon. Are you narrating it? Pardon? Are you narrating it? I'm writing it. No, narrating it. Is it your no, voice? No, 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 no. I'm not. I, I mean, are we going to get an American Anita Posh? No, a UK guy living in Zimbabwe. A UK so, guy. So a Zimbabwean. No, it's a Zimbabwean, but he has UK roots. So this will be fun. <laughs> 
Does anyone actually, do you ever read a book anymore? Mm, rarely. Do you ever re read a book anymore? Um, I don't. Before I wrote my own idea, yeah, because yeah. I had time. <laughs> so basically I learned the most from books and podcasts about Bitcoin. Yeah. Huh. Well, I I don't. I, I never read. I do is audio book now. Yeah, everything I do is. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, um, Bitcoin for fairness. Talk to me about this. Yeah, I mean, um, at the end of last year, I thought I want to do more. You know, like just podcasting. I mean, yeah. just, podcasting. just podcasting. Sorry if you if you're Sorry. such a if you have such a big podcast like yours, you're also educating masses. I mean, I mean, I want to do more than just podcasting. <laughs> you do? Yeah. yeah I, you now you have the circular economy in Bedford. Exactly. My exactly. King oh, of yeah. Bedford. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm really embarrassed about that now. Um, anyway, come on, tell me. Yeah. So um, I thought about a funding model also for my work. You know, mm -hmm. because. Um, I didn't have the development uh, like other podcasters where I was growing my audience and I could live off the sponsorships easily, sadly. Um, and also I had this idea of, of sharing my knowledge and that I think it's important uh, to do that. And so I, yeah, I, I, I started to reach out to people and basically it was Elizabeth Stark giving me the idea. And she said to me, Anita, do you actually get a grant? And I said, uh, no, <laughs> but actually that's how I would like to work because it, um, it takes down all the stress you have and it's an existential crisis in a yeah. way if you don't get uh, money and you don't know how to live in the next six months or something like that as a self-employed person and so uh, and it also gives me now the freedom to do actually what I want okay and that's fantastic so Bitcoin for fairness I've used this name because I think that's the ultimate do you say end game of Bitcoin or yeah. the ultimate use case of Bitcoin is giving open and fair access to anyone. Yeah. And um, it's also the ultimate argument against all anti-Bitcoiners, you know, um, because you can, can, can argue about elect the electricity use of Bitcoin and all these things. You can argue all the time. But if you tell people, look, there are 4 billion people living in authoritarian regimes do you really want them to not have access to an open monetary system? Well, some people don't still. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> Who's that prick who lives up in Berkeley in San Francisco? He's always commenting against stuff. He commented against that letter that oh, David oh, Zell wrote yeah, the reply yeah. to. I'll find him. Yeah, like someone like him. So there are people who, where you explain to him... Bear in mind, he lives in Berkeley, San Francisco, a very privileged life. Yeah. I want to say um, Wheatley or something. It's not that Stefan Dahl. It's another one. Anyway, and, and no, I've explained, I'm literally saying to him, um, you know, what Bitcoin does and how it's fair. And he just doesn't want it. He wants it banned. No, they, they think uh, traditional money can do that too. I've also been told several times, uh, don't focus so much on Bitcoin. There are other means of payment we can use yeah but they are not censorship resistant they are centralized they can be manipulated it's just not the same it's not the same and, and this is just a point where you get to when you have spent a lot of time thinking and learning about bitcoin you don't get that i i also didn't get that in the first weeks months years of of my bitcoin i, I still don't <laughs> 
<laughs> you still don't. So, so, so what are you doing? So, look, uh, are you, were you crowdfunding? Um, I'm crowdfunding, yes, on Giza Fund, for instance, which is an interesting platform too. They, it's a platform on Lightning where you can do crowdfunding. Well, I'm going to support you. You know, I yeah, cool. You I yeah, I and then this time I already have my grant proposal. I can present it to you afterwards. Is it is it a, a what what are you doing? Do you have an individual proposals, and you want people to sponsor specific things, or is it general fund? It's a general fund because okay. I never I can never say what's the next thing that's coming up. For instance. Now um, I'm working on a two-pager, a, a brochure, you know, where, where, where you have a, a four-sheet of paper uh-huh. with two sides. You can fold it. I want to, um, with the uh, basic information about what is Bitcoin, how it's not a scam, and how you can do it in a use it in a self-custodial manner. Uh-huh. And I want to have that as a template. Um, then uh, people from different countries can translate it into their local language and you can then take it to meetups, print it out. It's not expensive to print out a sheet of paper. Yeah. You can do that everywhere. And then you can give it out on these meetups. So people really have something in their hands because most of the times new people come, they listen, they are interested, then they go home and then they forget about it or don't have time to research it or they don't know where to start. Okay. Are you, are you accepting fiat or just Bitcoin for your grants? I'm accepting everything. Right. Okay. Well, I don't even need to see your proposal. I will support you because uh, your work's wonderful and I know you don't live an extravagant life. You're not going to take proposals and, and go and buy yourself a Dior bag. I know you're Thank absolutely that. focused and dedicated to this. You're you're about as Bitcoin as they get and you're one of the most hardest working Bitcoiners I know. Like, like you've, like, I can't say that. I've, I have a podcast as a job and a career, but I and I spend a lot of my time on it. But you're like, like it's in you. You've dedicated yourself to this. So just send me. It's easy for me to give you dirty fiat because I send it just from the, the business account. But um, just send me the stuff. But you don't even send me a proposal. Actually, when you have something live, you want me to share out as well. I'll retweet and get out yes, and then tell people because people so, should support you. Yeah, please. Thanks. So people do support me, and I want to say thank you for to all the private people, the individuals who donated and also to the sponsors, of course, but the sponsors, it's more like a business deal, you know, Hmm. they, they, I issue an invoice, they get marketing, uh, but I have to say they are on the right side as well. So meaning they, as you, they know, they trust me. As I said before, they let me do what I want. I just get back to them, uh, report and they see what I do. And, um, I don't and that's want proof enough. <laughs> I like your emails. I get through, like I get approved enough. Just give me an address. We'll send you some yes. money. We'll support you <laughs> on this. You. And I, like I said, we'll share it out. Get other people to do it because like I said, it's super important work. And also the fact that you are, you know, you are representing women and you are rese- uh, representing queer people, which are, I think are just under, you know, largely underrepresented in the Bitcoin community. One story about queer people. I reached out in Zambia to a local, uh, LGBT IQ group. Because I wanted to try to show them that Bitcoin is not a scam and how they can use it. Because I think, as, like, as I said, like, like poor people in these countries, like uh, people living under authoritarian and dictatorships, queer people and, and um, those minority groups, as we call them, I don't know if this is politically correct now, I don't, yeah. Um, they should use it the first, you know, because they can gain the most. Um, but they didn't um, um, come back. And I think um, 
it's uh, the reason is most people think it's a scam and they think uh, you want to sell them something, but I don't want to sell something. Another story, if I may, yeah, about scams. You can tell as many as you want. <laughs> well, I just know that, I know, like so I said to you earlier, I'm going to come back to scams because yeah. I know how uh, prevalent the issue is in Africa. I mean, we've got Jamie Bartlett coming back in, haven't we? Hopefully. Yeah. He oh, the, he, ah, the guy who did the documentary on OneCoin. Yeah, the, the BBC one. Yeah, yeah, so he's coming back to update us on that. Um, he's in the UK. and um, Is she still alive? I don't know where she is. Has she been She's found? She's on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list now. Yeah. Uh, she was in Bulgaria for a long time. But he um, he's coming in back to talk to us about that because um, the, I, I know how big an issue the, the OneCoin scam was in Africa. It's still going. It's still going? Yeah, yeah. He, I've been told that it's still going. That's unbelievable. Hmm. And and the, the, the problem with scams, you know, the... the um, I've heard a story, for instance, a company owner in South Africa, I mean, many people in South Africa and Zimbabwe uh, still have mates and people who help them. Yeah, mm. And um, he said to one of his mates, I can pay you in Bitcoin. And he explained everything and said, do you want to be paid? And she always said, no, no, no. And then she, she, she took it. Um, and he then said, okay, but now don't spend it, keep it. And if you ever want to spend it, come to me first. I will help you. And what happened? She spent it on a scam <laughs> because her sister convinced her that this is great to make money. Oh, God. Exactly. So he's already telling her, I'll help you. Yeah, ask me first. And then, you know, the need is so big because if you, when you're poor, you even more want to make more of your money. Of course. You, 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 you're using every little, uh, say, grasshalm in German, uh, grass. Uh, you, you're using everything to get more money. And yeah. you believe these scammers. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah. And, I mean, it's so sad that people in Africa are targeted so much as well with these scams that they're already struggling. And Yeah, but it's also here. And then, I, I mean, even in Austria, and then I don't understand. I mean, here you have the means, you have the possibility to ask someone else. There are Bitcoin meetups. We are online. We are Bitcoin Austria is answering questions yeah, per email. Mm. And it's always, people are always sending us a message when it's too late, when they are being told they need to pay something more to get their funds back. Mm. That's when they ask us. Hmm. So we had, um, we had Obi in here the other day. Mm -hmm. Um, you're obviously a lot closer to what's happening in Africa. Uh, how much of a game changer do you think Feddy Mint will be for African communities? A huge game changer. Yeah. I love the idea of Feddy Mint and I hope that they, they are successful in developing it. Because, um, so Feddy Mint is a protocol. And um, for me, I always, I learned in 2020 that in Southern African countries, you have a sense of Ubuntu meaning the community is everything. You take care of your family. You are responsible for each other. It's in, in, a, a, a very, uh, the, the opposite of being self-sovereign. Hmm. <laughs> um, and so I think Fedimint and the, the eCash tokens can be that sort of community money. So with um, Fedimint, Bitcoin can really become community money. So one of the biggest problems is self-custody. It's not easy. I mean, for me now it's easy because I mean, <laughs> been doing it a long we are enough. doing it a long time. Um, so you need to educate yourself a little bit. And also it's, um, 
sometimes with all these scams going on and phishing mails and people lose passwords and whatever. Yeah. So um, I think 90% of Bitcoin are on centralized exchanges, owned mm. by people on centralized exchanges and not in self-custody. And that's why I'm always, always also have that focus on self-custody because you get the positive properties of Bitcoin only if you self-custody it. And, um, but a lot of people don't have the means to do that in these countries. And you also can't really educate them on that. Um, and so Fedimint is basically a federation where trusted members of the federation or of the community, like it starts with minimum of four people. These four people can be very knowledgeable Bitcoiners, for instance. And um, they run the Fedimint software on their Lightning or Bitcoin full node. I don't know exactly the technicalities, yeah? But, um, and then it's like a multi-sig. So these four people have hold the Bitcoin of the community in a shared custody. So it's a semi-custodial way where the people who are participating in the Fedimint network or in the local uh, community, they don't need to take so much care about their keys as in a full self-custody solution but they are also not custodial. So uh, Obi said something great. It's from KYC to KYF, from know your customer to know your family and friends yeah. because you trust your friend or your family already. And that's also a model. Many people also in Austria, I also have people, I take care of their Bitcoin because they don't know how to do it or they are, they are losing their wallets and things like that, you know, and I'm just like, okay, I do it for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to see you lose the Bitcoin. Of course. Yeah. And uh, so many people are doing that already for their friends and family. And those could be um, guardians of the network. Right. Okay. And, and it also brings privacy. Yes. Because the e-cash tokens that you get, um, IOUs and they are not recorded on the blockchain anymore. And even the Fedimint people, the, the guardians don't know who exchanged the Bitcoin to tokens now. And then you can, they are interchangeable. So if you're sitting in Africa in a community and have your own Fedimint there, you still can send your tokens to your family in, in, uh, in the UK. Basically it will be most of the times the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you do that over Lightning. So I guess in the future, um, a Fedi wallet will be integrated into a Bitcoin wallet that does Lightning, Bitcoin, stable coins on Taro and Fedi Mint tokens. And I don't know what else we'll, we'll, we'll be seeding in the future. We will have everything we need at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what their time frame is of, of uh, planning to do the project, but I, yeah. And it also scales Bitcoin because you don't need to wait for the next uh, mind block to be in a transaction and, you know. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I'm, for me at first, I was like, huh, why would I use this? I already have multi-sig cold storage. Yeah, but I was, I, was going from, I was going from my end of the spectrum yeah, yeah. backwards a bit. It's and not I was for really, you. No, it's for the people to come, you know. It's like, from the other yeah, way. From yeah, from the other exactly. way. And that's when I realized, I was like, actually, this is super interesting. So, um, okay. So what's next, Anita? Where are you going next? What are you working on next? Um, next is um, going to Riga, to the Baltic Honey Badger Conference. And afterwards, the goal is to go to Zimbabwe and Zambia. When? September, October. 
can't do them, can we? No. So I can't. I'm not going to promise this time because we can't. <laughs> I do want to go to December. Zim- yeah, I do want to go to Zimbabwe. Yeah, um, you're in, I invite you. I know, <laughs> I know. Danny just keeps me so busy. Yeah, so Danny, make it happen. Yeah, yeah Danny's <laughs> please. Full. Well, the conference in December. Conference in December. Yeah, well, so we definitely get to Africa for the. I've yes. never been to Africa. I've never been to Ghana and Nigeria too, and I guess it's completely different to Zambia and Zimbabwe. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting so, to go. So I want to go there because in Zambia, the guys who are now. Um, in a way, ambassadors of Bitcoin for Fairness on the ground. Mm-hmm. They had the idea to do not only meetups, but also to do a workshop for journalists now. Great. Because when I was there, I had some media interviews and I met some journalists and they had such a lack of knowledge about Bitcoin. Yeah, that's the same everywhere though. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think theirs might be ignorance, whereas I think uh, it's the Western media is a bit more malicious. <laughs> that might be yeah so so uh they had the idea and i think it's a great idea because um yeah articles in the media are important and um so we're going to do a workshop for journalists and um i also want to bring a raspi blitz to zambia nice in zimbabwe the most interesting uh story is about bitcoin mining with solar in zimbabwe now Wow. Yeah, there's a guy from the UK. He's a diaspora Zimbabwean. And he's running a, a farm uh, in the heart of Zimbabwe. I mean, I he has to stay anonymous. And um, he connected, asked me if I knew Bitcoin miners in Zimbabwe and things like that. And I said, no. And But then another guy, and I think maybe he's also from the UK, who had some ASIC miners at home and he didn't use them anymore. He said, I'm going to donate these miners to you. And the guy from here, he sent it to his farm and he installed the miners in one of his cooling rooms. You know, he needs cooling for his produce. And there the miners are now. And it's the first Bitcoin mining that I know of in Zimbabwe. Wow. It's just a small experiment, of course, but... But from a seed... They do... I don't know, 20 US dollars a week or something from that because electricity on the one hand is very cheap in Zimbabwe. I don't know why. And he has the solar power. And um, yeah, it's great to see that. And I hope also that Blockstream said they will uh, donate a Blockstream satellite so that the mining machines are connected over the satellites to the Bitcoin network so that he doesn't uh, lose the latest, the connection to the Bitcoin blockchain. And um, yeah, I hope we can do that in September, October. You are so busy. I'm very busy. It's too much. Actually, a UK podcaster, the last time he said to me, if I were you, my head would explode. And since then, I think about my head exploding and... Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Wow, I'm going to support you because I think you're amazing. I love everything you're doing. What I want to say to people is um, what I think Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is a silent revolution. And I love that thought because it helps us in the fight against surveillance and uh, always more and more tightening privacy rights. And um, if you are supporting Bitcoin just by using it, either holding it, or using it for day-to-day things in a circular economy, then you support freedom fighters and human rights activists. You support the people in these countries from here just by holding Bitcoin. 
And if you are anti-Bitcoin, you are anti-privacy, you are anti-freedom of speech, and you are against the fact that there are 4 billion people who should also get a fair access to an open monetary system. And um, I think these are important things. And we, we are in a new crypto war. Like in the 90s, you know, the, the cryptography was banned by the US. They mm -hmm. said cryptography is like munition. And there's the story of Adam Beck who wrote a privacy tool and printed it on a T-shirt to show the authorities you can't ban mathematics and cryptography. And um, like recently with the crackdown on Tornado, tornado Cash, yeah. I, I saw this quote again from Phil Zimmerman, the inventor of PGP, um, yeah. public uh, private cryptography. Privacy. Yeah, pretty good. Thank you very much <laughs> for email encryption. And um, um, he said, if privacy is outlawed, only outlaws will have privacy. And I don't want to live in a world like that. Mm -hmm. So... What I think is important to say is all of that, what I just said. <laughs> Bitcoin is uncensorable, it's unstoppable. And I think it gets the, the most meaning and value if you use it, if you use it and not only hold it. I'm not saying anything against speculation or store of value. It's an important part of Bitcoin. But I think circular economies will help Bitcoin adoption much more in these countries where I was talking about, then all the hodling of the people in Western countries. Amazing. Well, listen, um, it's a very profound end, but also I just want to say thank you again. Like you, um, you're, you're doing work, really important work that others aren't as part of, there's a whole load of Bitcoin where we cover like economics and, you know, kind of Western first world problems. And it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, it's important. I, I get it's important. But like you're doing the real work on the ground with communities where it makes a real difference to their lives. We will support you financially. We absolutely will. If other people want to support you, how, how are we going to get it out to them? You yeah, so give me a link. As I said before, there is uh, the crowdfunding campaign on Giza.fund. Giza, how do you spell that? G-E-Y-S-E-R okay. dot fund. Then you can also use uh, Bitcoin or Lightning at um, bffbtc.org slash donate. That's the Bitcoin for Fairness website. And yeah, please follow me on Twitter and uh, my newsletter at anita.link slash news. Well, keep, keep crushing it. Keep doing everything you're doing. You're a friend of the show. You're always welcome on. I'm so glad we got to do this in person. Yeah, me too. I, uh, last thing I just yeah. uh, came to my mind again. We, well, My next goal um, with others from uh, Zambia is to start podcasts. Actually, the Chichi, you know Chichi? You're trying to get me more competition. <laughs> yes. I was about uh, to give you some it's money. it's not really competition. <laughs> yeah, it's joking. competition in their local language. Right. So uh, the goal is to do decentralized Bitcoin podcasts mm -hmm. and um, to let people translate Bitcoin podcasts into the local language or Amazing. just do a podcast in a local language. Because I think also uh, speaking of privacy and all the, the, the things that happen in the digital space, podcasting It's so important because the RSS feed cannot be influenced by anyone. They can't censor your RSS feed as they can with their newsletter or your website or whatever. And so I think that's it's 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 cheap. It's relatively easy to do today. You don't need. I mean, you are a pro, yeah, but you can do it on your smartphone yeah. too. 
And so it's easy accessible and I'm looking forward to, to do that project and to help the people on the ground. This is why your head's going to explode because <laughs> you've even got things you forgot about that you're doing. Exactly. Anita, look, keep being amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I'm so um, glad that I know you and I'm so proud of the work you do. I think it's incredible. I think it stands out as somebody who's really dedicated to growing Bitcoin for the right reasons. So um, we, are, we are indebted to you and you're our friend and anything we can do for you, you always let us know. Thank you very much, Peter. You are the, one of the first Bitcoin podcasts I was listening to in 2017. Oh, stop yeah. it. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to go and have some food. And thank you for coming to Bedford, by the way. Thanks. Okay, thank you for listening to What Bitcoin Did podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Anita. And as I said in the intro, the work she's doing is incredible, but it's expensive. It's not cheap to fly out to Africa and do this work. So hopefully you can support her. There's some links in the show notes. We're supporting her. We've supported her a couple of times now. Hopefully some of you can fire some sats her way. Also, if you've been checking out my football team, we just won four on the bounce. Four wins in a row, four wins out of four, and 12 points. We're still top of the league. It's very exciting. If you want to check that out, please head over to railbedford.com. We do stream all the games live. Anyway, if you've got any questions about this, Anita, the show, anything else, feel free to drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. All right, have a great rest of your week, and I'll see you all soon. 